This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Christmas, Happy New Year. My name is Mike Broomhead in Phoenix, Arizona, filling in for Glenn today and tomorrow. Thanks for joining the show. We've got a lot going on. If you want to reach out, social media is the best way to reach out to me. Twitter, I am at Broomhead Show. Don't tweet Mike Broomhead. That's some guy in England who's really upset that he gets my tweets all the time. So at Broomhead Show on Twitter or the Mike Broomhead Show fan page on Facebook, best way to reach out to me. A lot going on in the news. We've heard about you know the death of a movie star and Carrie Fisher. Um, big deal because of the Star Wars movies that she has been such a big part of. Uh, That may be a part of the conversation this morning, but so much happening with Israel, the new U.N., um, the vote there, the uh, U.S. abstaining. That's going to be a big part of the program today is John Kerry. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. Um, And what I mean by is anytime I talk about John Kerry, it makes me angry. But at the same time, it's his final speech in the Middle East. There's good news for America and the rest of the world. John Kerry will be leaving the post as secretary of state. And fortunately, he's such a dolt, he hasn't done much. So he hasn't done much damage because I just don't think he's that capable. We'll talk about him. Uh, Harry Reid makes some statements bragging about some of the horrible things he did while he was in the Senate. More good news for America. Uh, the Senate will take its next session in January, minus Harry Reid. That's already a great year. I, uh, so far, nothing but good news. Uh, some of the headlines, um, uh, President Obama says that they are going to somehow punish Russia for meddling in our elections. You know that 54% of Democrat voters, it's just a poll, and you know we know that numbers are can be skewed, but half of Democrats believe that the Russians changed the vote tally. Now, the Russian influence had everything to do with emails, if you believe it was the Russians that did the hacking and, and sent in over to make sure that it was dropped by WikiLeaks. And if you believe the Russians had a hand in that, that was the extent of what they did in influencing elections. They had nothing to do with hacking into vote tallies anywhere. But 50% of Democrat voters, apparently over 50%, believe they had something to do with changing the vote tally. By the way, Joe Stein's still not done with protesting elections. And uh, at, at some point, you've got to give up, don't you? You've got to give up and just say it's over. The Electoral College has voted. Joe Biden is going to count those votes pretty soon. And on January 20th, uh, Donald Trump is going to be inaugurated as president of the United States. And I wonder, the shoe is definitely on the other foot in America today. I question so many people 
on the left that I'm friends with. And, and I enjoy my friends that think different than me politically. Uh, it's one of the things I enjoy the most is when I have disagreements with people that I admire and I like because I would rather figure out how we could be so close to each other and yet so far apart on some issues. And I try to come to the conversation from a position of respect. I look at uh, at Donald Trump moving into the White House, and there are a lot of people that on the on the conservative side who are terrified of a Trump presidency. I've mentioned on this show before. Um, I was filling in here, and I was honored to be a part of the pro- the network for Glenn Beck long before I was friends with Glenn. But I have gotten to know Glenn fairly well, and and you know I am not the anti-Trump person. That Glenn is, which is, uh, you know, so when I look at somebody I admire as much and knows as much about American history and American politics that I disagree with, I'd rather learn why and what they believe. But when you look at the pro-Obama crowd, you look at the people in this country that were thrilled what, with what Barack Obama was doing because Congress would not go along. The founding fathers were geniuses in the sense of this it was called the great experiment. It still is our, our form of government was never done like this before, ever. The House of Representatives being called the People's House, representing very small districts across the country where individual voices, I mean, supposedly, are being heard in the House of Representatives. Those people can be replaced every two years. The House of Representatives is up for re-election, and I'm not giving anybody a civics lesson here. The Senate, every six years, a six-year term, two senators equally representing every state in the union, equal power, two senators from each state doing the business of the states. That makes up the legislative branch and the executive branch, the president having veto power. And there is a lot of power that comes out of that office because it is that office. But that power also is not absolute, which is why the Congress is supposed to be the balance. And to get something through both houses of Congress. To get it signed by them and sent to the White House to become law and then the check and balance there, the checks and balances there, of course, are the Supreme Court. We can argue about what it's become, and I agree the Supreme Court has become something it was not intended to be, but the Supreme Court is supposed to decide whether or not the laws made by Congress are constitutional, not good or bad, constitutional or not. We realize we now have justices on both sides of the aisle over there that are legislating from the bench, which isn't what they were supposed to do, but in theory, what our founding fathers have created, such an amazing thing. When you have a president that says, I have a cell phone and a pen, and if Congress isn't going to go along, I think I've got the power, and the Supreme Court's disagreed with him on some very important facts of his executive powers, and some yet to be determined. When you expand the executive powers and you set the precedent that Barack Obama has, I've asked people on the left before we even had any inkling that Donald Trump was going to be president, this brash guy that's bucking the system and is going against both parties and all the things he says he's going to do. I asked people on the left, how are you going to feel if the next president says, and he's on, he's on the far right, and he says, you know, President Obama was onto something. There's a lot of things that a president can do he doesn't need Congress for. I'm just going to use executive orders to do everything I want to do, and I'm going to do it the same way Barack Obama did, although it's going to be completely different policies. You watch how all of a sudden the political left in the next four years is going to become a small government, limited power in the executive branch 
group of people. And when the Democrats are saying we have to stop the ideology and the plans of Donald Trump, which means we have to be an obstructionist. Isn't it funny that we that the right was told you got to work with President Obama? The people elected him. They want his policies in place. So you should go along with what he wants because that's what the American people want. Well, now we're hearing the opposite. And I'll tell you this, in all fairness, if Donald Trump uses executive powers the way Barack Obama did, I will call him out like I did Barack Obama because the Congress is supposed to be included. It never was supposed to, because if you eliminate them, if you do things by executive order, the Congress either becomes a dissenting voice or a rubber stamp. That's it. Now you've got absolute power and can't have it. Donald Trump is going to have to negotiate with the Congress. He's got a majority, obviously a big majority in the House right now. That could change in two years. But right now, a big majority in the House. So it's going to be fairly easy to get some of his policies when agreed upon through the House. But with only a two-seat majority, really, in the Senate, it's going to be difficult on some issues. Now, Obamacare has got to be repealed and replaced. That should be easier because there are a lot of Democrats in the Senate that are in places where it's costing a lot of money for Obamacare. So repealing and replacing that may be something they go along with just for their political futures. But other things are going to be tougher. And when it requires 60 votes, it's going to be difficult. And there's going to have to be some negotiations. So that's going to be a part of the discussion today. Here in the first hour, just so you know what we're going to talk about, John Kerry and his final speech in the Middle East before he goes, the president in trying to punish Russia before he leaves office because of their meddling in American elections, and security measures in the United States at big events like the Thanksgiving Day Parade, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, the uh, the Boston Marathon, and upcoming, and what we're going to see in Mardi Gras in New Orleans, what we are learning about terrorist attacks and how we're trying to prevent them here in the U.S. So we'll get to all these here in the first hour of the program. Once again, my name is Mike Broomhead. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm in here for Glenn Beck, and this is, of course, the Glenn Beck Program. Glenn Beck. Want to see Glenn live? If you're coming to Texas, you can. Join us at Mercury Studios in Dallas for a taping of Glenn's television show. To reserve your seat, email tickets at glennbeck.com with your information. That's tickets at glennbeck.com. Mercury. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, Mike Broomhead in Phoenix, Arizona, in for Glenn Beck. Today and tomorrow, I will be in here for the Glenn Beck Program. Thanks for being a part of it. And uh, for making it a part of your day, it is uh, John Kerry will be giving his final speech in the Middle East. Now, this under the backdrop now of what we've seen in the U.N. resolution that we're calling the new settlements in the West Bank by Israel illegal. 
the U.S. abstaining from that vote, which is ridiculous. We, um, from every perspective you can think of as Americans, whether it is we are, they are our only and closest ally, and I shouldn't say only ally, our closest ally in the region is Israel. We are their best friend. Um, from that point of view, from a faith-based point of view, uh, for me personally and for a lot of people within earshot of me right now, we have had a responsibility and a long-standing tradition of standing side by side with Israel. And for uh, the Israelis claim they have ironclad proof that we were behind the resolution calling those settlements illegal. And the Israelis are going to defy the U.N. and they are going to continue to settle on the West Bank. And they are absolutely entitled to do so. And anybody out there that wants to talk about the battles between the Israelis and the Palestinians and you're siding with the Palestinians, I I love that conversation because you are a propagandist and are believing absolutely the wrong things. The tunnels that are being dug are not being dug by the Israelis. The bombs that are being lobbed are not being lobbed by the Israelis. And, you know, we can go through history and talk about a lot of these things. Golda Meir and some of the quotes from Golda Meir. And I, when I say quotes, I'm probably going to screw it up by a word or two. So I'm, I'm not I don't mean to paraphrase, but I believe it was Golda Meir that said to the Palestinians, we can forgive you for killing our grandchildren. We can't forgive you for forcing us to kill yours. And that has been the the Israeli point of view for decades in this war. They say if the other quote is if Israel were to lay down their weapons, there would be no Israel. If the Palestinians were to lay down their weapons, there would be peace. That is another accurate, in my opinion, accurate statement. But for the U.N. to do what they've done and for the accusation even to come from Israel that they believe what let's say that they don't have ironclad proof, that it's just a belief that they have, that the U.S. is behind this resolution tells you to what degree are the relationship between the United States and Israel has deteriorated over the last eight years. Jews in America largely vote Democrat most of the time based on social issues, if not economic issues, definitely social issues. I don't know for the life of me how anybody, how any American Jew could vote for Barack Obama on the policies of that office. But specifically, John Kerry now giving his final speech in the Middle East And CNN had a story that was written about him that is, I think John Kerry's wife wrote this and just did it under somebody else's name. Um, Elise Labatt from CNN Global Affairs correspondent, John Kerry's mission to save diplomacy is the title. It is 16 pages on their website. And it is... The first paragraph, and I don't like to read stories on the air. You can read them yourself, but it it starts like this. You can see it in everything he attempts to do around the globe, even conflicts he every conflict he wades into, every crisis he refuses to concede. And as John Kerry prepares to step down as Secretary of State next month, he will carry it with him just as he has for 50 years, a deep-seated belief that America, and indeed he, can solve some of the world's thorniest problems with the right mix of politics, diplomacy, perseverance, and personal charm. Now, is that a journalist or is this a biographer? John Kerry sat down over and over and over again with the Iranians. 
and hashed out a nuclear deal that was hated by every other nation in the region to the degree that the Saudis and the Israelis were working together saying that we will work together to make sure that Iran never gets a nuclear weapon. The U.S., as very limited publicly as they could do, solved the problem of the fears by the nations in the region because of the deal by selling bigger arms to those nations, arming nations around Iran to a larger degree so they could defend themselves if the Iranians break the deal. That's how confident we were in the deal. Not to mention that every aspect of the Iranian government, from their religious leaders, the Ayatollahs speaking in a public forum, the crowd chanting death to America, their religious leader, who runs the country, by the way, it's not the government. They take their lead from, they are a theocracy. The Ayatollah chanting with the crowd, yes, of course, death to America. This while John Kerry is negotiating with the Iranians. One of the Iranian military leaders said, no matter what happens in this deal, the Americans will always be our enemy. John Kerry didn't push away from the table. So they're right when they say he perseveres. When the Iranian government was voting on this deal behind the scenes to denounce the U.S. or to to have whatever they say, they can't sanction us. But it was an anti-American vote going on, and I believe with 200 members they had, it was 199 to 1. And while members of the Iranian government were voting on this, in what would be there, like we would have the House chamber or the Senate chamber, while they were voting in their governmental chamber, the parliamentary chamber, they were chanting death to America. Not all of them, but some of them. And yet we continue to negotiate with the Iranians. Every aspect of the Iranian government chanting in some way, shape, or form throughout these negotiations, death to America. There's your chief diplomat at work. When the Iranians captured two U.S. vessels and then took those U.S. sailors, stripped them of their uniforms, showed the videotape of them crying around the world, embarrassed and mocked the United States Navy to the entire world, John Kerry thanked the Iranians for the way they treated our sailors. He was in the Navy. Remember when he ran for president as a swift boat captain? He crossed the Delaware and saluted and said, John Kerry reporting for duty, and he looked like a dope. This guy was in the United States Navy and thanked the Iranians for their treatment of the United States Navy. There's your chief diplomat being being in a being. Talked about as a saint in a 17-page CNN review. This administration was going to restore the world's confidence in the United States. Anybody believe that's true, even on that side of the aisle? From Hillary Clinton and Benghazi to John Kerry and Iran, and not just the Iranian nuclear deal, but when the two American ships were taken. One of the stories we're going to discuss a little bit later on in the show is the the Chinese want an aircraft carrier in the Pacific. They're going to monitor us. They're sending us a message. How incredible is it that we have become what we have become? Our enemies have no reason to fear us. Think what we've done with John Kerry as Secretary of State, 
under the policies of this administration. We have restored diplomatic ties with Cuba, which is an absolute abomination because of the way the Cuban people are treated. I could spend the next 30 minutes talking about Cuba again. But we've restored that with Cuba relations with the Cuban government while the Cuban people still suffer under that communist regime. We gave the power back with nuclear weapons and billions and billions and billions of dollars to the Iranians. Even John Kerry had to admit it's probably going to go and foster terrorism. Nothing about ISIS. We, it's been a failure. Coming up in just a few moments, the Obama administration, they're going to punish Russia for election interference. How? We'll talk about that next. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. All right, thank you for being here. Mike Broomhead, Phoenix, Arizona, in for Glenn Beck uh, today and tomorrow. Thanks for making the Glenn Beck program a part of your day. The Obama administration close to announcing measures to punish Russia for election interference. I'm going to get to this in a moment. Um, I'm I'm in Phoenix, do a local show in Phoenix, Arizona. One of the listeners, uh, her name is Jackie, is uh, the best producer I've ever had. No offense to my producer. She does a great job. She sends me information all the time. I was talking about Harry Reid a little earlier. Harry Reid talking with someone about his career said, as my staff will tell you, I've done a number of things because no one else will do it. What was he talking about? The false accusations about Mitt Romney not paying his taxes. And he admits he did, he did you know, whether it was changing the rules in the Senate and basically, you know, using a nuclear option to do what he wanted to do there. When he said earlier in his career, if that ever happened, it would destroy the United States Senate and the intent of the United States Senate. And he did it because he wanted to get what he wanted to get through. He justified it 18 different ways. It was wrong. And then as soon as he got booted from power because the Republicans took over to the Senate, he said, "Ah, this shows America wants us to work together. Well, here's what he said about what he did to Mitt Romney by lying about Mitt Romney. Um, I tried to get everybody else to do that. I didn't want to do that. I didn't have anything against him personally. He's a fellow Mormon, nice guy. I went to everybody, but no one would do it. So I did. So when we talk about American politics, we want to talk about what's happening. And you want to hear about the vitriol of people. It's on both sides. I'm not condoning it on either side of the aisle. I've been very critical of Donald Trump uh, when he was running for president about the way he said things and the way he did things. Um, But I thought he was a much better option than Hillary Clinton. I voted for Donald Trump. Um, And I have been very complimentary about the way he's handled the transition and the way he's handled things since then. And in a lot of regards, his victory speech, which could have been a moment where the Donald Trump supporters from day one which I was not, but the Donald Trump supporters day one said he's going to win, and a lot of us, myself included, said there's no way that guy can win. Um, When they were proven right and the rest of us were proven wrong, in a moment where Donald Trump could have had a drain the swamp, lock her up, 
um, give the country the middle finger kind of a moment. He was gracious and he was um, humble, and so were the supporters that night. They kind of followed his lead. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the presidency, and I've been complimentary as much as I was critical. But anybody on the left that wants to come after a Donald Trump, or, you know, low-hanging fruit of some of the tweets that have been sent out, look no further than your own party, where they don't like the way things are being handled on the right. If you remember, it was Harry Reid that called the sitting president of the United States, that time George W. Bush, an idiot. His words. I don't know what happened to Harry Reid. I don't know when Harry Reid became what Harry Reid had become. But um, I'm glad he's gone. Harry Reid, John Kerry, they just, I'm glad they are, I'm thrilled that they are gone from American politics, at least in the short term. I think we're a better country for it. Um, And, and, you know, if Nancy Pelosi would have lost her seat, uh, I think that would have been another great service to the American people. But I just wanted to get that out before we got to the other thing with uh, Harry Reid and uh, some of the nonsense he has spewed before. By the way, um, I'm in today and tomorrow. If you are a social media user, I love to interact on social media. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Broomhead Show, not Mike Broomhead. At Broomhead Show is my handle on Twitter. Mike Broomhead on Instagram is all one word, Mike Broomhead. You can find my, I'm famous for my blurry pictures I post on Instagram or the Mike Broomhead Show fan page on Facebook if you want to find me there. I would love to interact with you if you have questions, comments. If you want to do that on social media, that would be terrific. The Obama administration is getting ready to announce whether it's going to be economic sanctions or diplomatic censure, but uh, the President of the United States has every intention of punishing the Russians for interference in American elections. Now, what they did was hack the DNC, most specifically Podesta, in emails and um, exposed the corruption in the Clinton campaign. Now, the accusation was out there where they also hacked the RNC, but didn't turn that information over, which the RNC says it was never hacked. They showed proof that they were never hacked, right? Priebus saying they were never hacked, that it was the Democrats. Was this a pro-Trump thing or an anti-Hillary thing? I'm pretty sure it was anti-Hillary. And um, what's funny, be careful what you hear, because as far as I know, nobody denied the validity of those emails. Nobody said it wasn't true. Nobody said they were manipulated. What they said was they were stolen. The American media was all over it. And then when Donald Trump won the election, now they're blaming the Russians and they tried to do everything they could to stop what they were a big part of from the beginning. But the president himself had to admit there was no tampering with the election itself. They didn't hack into voting machines. They didn't change vote tallies. They didn't get into any voter databases. What happened was that they were, if it was them, and so far it hasn't been proven that it was, but they're saying, and I'm hearing from some very high-level people that they believe it was the Russians. So let's go for argument's sake to say the Russians were the ones behind the hack that got the emails exposed through WikiLeaks. What they did was expose the corruption inside the Clinton campaign. That's what sank that ship. When you see Hillary Clinton saying to the entire world, when I become Secretary of State, there is going to be this huge firewall, her word, between my Secretary of State's office and my foundation, 
And then we find out almost from day one that was never the case. Even when it came to Haiti earthquake relief, there was a lot of uh, government grants money that was out there given to companies that were there to do relief efforts, whether it was humanitarian aid, humanitarian relief, or it was um, rescue and recovery and rebuilding of Haiti. And when people were applying for that, those State Department grants and State Department funds, there were emails being exchanged that if you weren't friends of Bill or Clinton VIPs to the foundation, then they were sent to a website to fill out the paperwork. If they were friends with the Clintons or VIPs, then they were told, send them to us at the State Department directly. Those were handled in-house Those people were given the contracts. There's your firewall. There's the collusion and corruption the American people were tired of. If anything else in this election cycle, we learned the good old boy network was despised by the American people. And Hillary Clinton exemplified that with her office. Seating at state dinners for donors to the foundation and Meetings being brokered because there were diplomats that couldn't get a meeting with the Secretary of State, but their country or their indiv- they individually had donated a lot of money to the foundation. So the head of the foundation reaching out to Huma Abedin and some of the other handlers for Hillary Clinton and saying, hey, this is a big donor to the Clinton Foundation, trying to get a meeting with the Secretary of State and can't do it through the diplomatic channels. Is there anything you can do? And then the email going back saying, yeah, we've, you know, we've given them a few dates. Let us know what works for them. You know, that's the kind of corruption the American people despise. That's what sank that ship. So the president going along with the theme, and all it has to do is is keep the American people doubtful. You know, the the uh, when Al Gore lost and and George W. Bush's brother was Jeb Bush was the governor of Florida, and of course that's why he won Florida, and all that stuff died off fairly quickly. Not this time. Nobody went quietly into that good night this time. The electoral system in the United States is set up for an express purpose and an express way. They don't want it being coastal elections. They don't want L.A. and New York deciding every election, which they would have. They tried to get the electors to change. I know one of the Arizona electors received over and not they weren't. Um, it, this was not a unique case. They had received over 40,000 emails trying to get them to switch their vote from voting for Donald Trump as the people of Arizona had done to anybody else, basically. And that is not, that's not the way the American people behave. We know about the terrorist attacks that happened in Germany and France where they're not using bombs, they're not using guns or knives, they are using vehicles to just mow down people in crowds. And just it, it is just a horrifying way to take human lives. But it just shows you, again, the ingenuity and the desire and the hatred for humanity that some of these people, in the name of religion, have. And we saw it in Germany, the Christmas market. We saw it in France. Well, in America, we've got big events here. And are the Americans learning from what's happened in other countries? The best of a horrible situation is to learn from others, not mistakes necessarily, but learn tactically from things that happen in other countries. 
well, we've got Mardi Gras coming up and what's happening in New Orleans, what happened at the Thanksgiving Day Parade, what happens now at the Boston Marathon, what are happening at some of these events in America to be one step smarter than we were before and try to prevent the mayhem and the death. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. Again, my name is Mike Broomhead. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Glenn Beck Program. Triple eight seven two seven back Mercury. Glenn Beck Program. All right, Mike Broom, head in for Glenn Beck today and tomorrow. Coming up next hour, we'll talk about the U.S. inequality keeps getting uglier in a CNN story, talking about the disparity between the haves and the have-nots. It's a great topic. And also in the next hour, one of my heroes, I, I think if I could emulate anyone, which I don't ever want to do, but if there's one person whose career I admire, it's Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe has been the voice of for kind of the working man um, in what he does in his television shows and what you see when you hear him on broadcasts. And he's just one of those working class heroes, and it is genuine. It seems very genuine. If there's one person out there that I would love to be able to meet someday and just have a conversation with, because I think it would be a fascinating conversation, would be Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe talks about why there's a lot of jobs out there that Americans aren't taking, and I think he's right on the money with some things. So we'll talk economy big in the next hour. But to wrap up this this hour of the show, Bourbon Street to be pedestrian mall for New Year's weekend. So it's not just Mardi Gras, but over the new year, they are going to be using blockades and trucks, I think, to block the streets where it will be pedestrian traffic only to stop the same kind of mayhem where a vehicle is used to murder as many people as possible. We've now seen it in Europe a couple of different times. And now we're looking at a, a different scenario. If you looked at Ohio State, and this was the big argument, the the stabbing in Ohio State where a guy rammed a building with his car, tried to run people over, then started with knives and stabbing people before he was killed by a police officer. Uh, right away, the anti-gun crowd in America, because the reports were out there, there was a gunman at the Ohio State campus. Right away, it was an anti-gun message. Right away. The gun control crowd was out there once again in full force. Turned out they didn't use a gun. One of the arguments I've always had is, and I'm fortunate to live in a place where our gun laws are probably the most lenient in the entire country, and I live in a very safe place. Phoenix, Arizona, if you've never visited, I hope you will someday. It's a beautiful city, and it's safe. The valley, all the surrounding cities, we call it the valley, beautiful and safe place. If you can legally own a handgun in the state of Arizona, you can conceal it without a permit. Now, a lot of people think that's, oh my gosh, how wild west is that? No training, no... The offset to that is criminals conceal weapons all the time. They don't have any training. Has not been an increase in death. There's not been an increase in shootings. There haven't been an increase in violence. None of that. Good people, law-abiding citizens, do not brandish weapons on each other. They, they just don't. And now we're seeing the terrorists around the world are using guns when they it's effective they're using pressure cooker bombs when they believe that's going to be effective and now they're using big trucks we're going to limit the size of vehicles now that's what they want to do with guns let's limit the amount of ammunition in a magazine let's limit the um caliber let's limit the number of bullets somebody can buy let's have we really turned into people that believe that's going to solve a problem 
I could go into the grocery store today because New Year's Eve is right around the corner. I could go into New. I could go in to a grocery store with a hand truck. I could buy six cases of beer, four cases of whiskey, and fifteen bags of ice and roll it out to my truck. And people would look at me and say, "Where's the party?" No one's going to look at me and say, "Oh, look at all the drunks he's going to be creating on New Year's Eve." There's going to be death and mayhem in the streets from drunk drivers. But you roll out of a uh, of, of, uh, gun store with a um, couple of thousand rounds of ammunition, and they may follow you home. There is evil in the world, and people that based on religion right now, I mean, there's other reasons as well, are just looking to kill the Western way of life. And we have to try to stay one step ahead of the way they're doing things. And this is going to be one way to stop people from driving trucks down Bourbon Street and just running people over that are celebrating New Year's Eve. But they're going to come up with a new way to kill people. We have to double down and be diligent. The joint terrorism task forces around the country are constantly assessing what's going on around the world to improve how they target people, how they watch people, and how they protect the American citizens. So um, next hour, we'll talk about the economy, inequities, inequalities in our, in our uh, economic status in America and what we can do to fix it, according to CNN. Stick around. You're going to love what's next. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.